Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, like I said, it's our school of prayer. There's something I just want to bring out from there. Ephesians chapter 6. Let's start from verse um, 10. I won't read everything so as to save time. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Now, I want to read that again because it's the main reason why I'm reading this. He said we should put on the full armor of God, and there's a purpose for it. That purpose is so that we will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, he says, but against rulers, against the powers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, he says, take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm, stand firm therefore. Now, please, I want you to notice something. Please follow this. In verse 11, it says, we are putting on the full armor so we'll be able to stand firm. It now says in verse 13, we put on that full armor to resist and having done everything to stand firm. In verse 14, it now says, stand firm therefore. All right? That's the third time he's using the expression, stand firm. And if you add the one in which he says, um, resist, you see that's like the fourth time. He says, stand firm therefore by having guarded your loins with truth, with the plate, breastplate of righteousness in place, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench or extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and you take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. He said in verse 18, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on alert for, with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And he now says, verse 19, pray on my behalf, that utterance may be given to me in opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Now let me just stop reading here. What I just want to share with us briefly this evening, and then we use it to pray, is this issue of standing firm. I want us to understand that. The issue is that of standing firm. He said the main reason why we are taking up this whole armor is so we can stand firm in everything. Please, I want to just repeat it again. One major assignment God has for us believers is to stand firm. And what do I mean by stand firm? You see where I'm going in a moment. Listen, Satan came to the garden and talked to Eve. And what was his, uh, what was his strategy? To make her shift position on her opinion concerning the tree. That's all. Look, you know, hey, I pray we get it. All he wanted was for her to shift her opinion, just concerning her opinion, to shift ground slightly. Just shift your ground. They said, if you eat it, you will die. Then he says to her, you will not surely die. Then they began to discuss. The reason why that discussion could hold was because she yielded a bit of ground. She gave the possibility that maybe, all right, there is this small chance that I might not die. That was why he got her. And in this life, let me tell you, that is what everything is about. Until the world, until the devil, until Satan can change your opinion about something, there's little he can do to make you disobey God. 
Please, I hope you are following what I'm saying. It's just to change that your opinion, just to make you look at it slightly differently. You know, the other day I was talking with some relatives, okay, who live abroad. And we're just talking about many things, you know, this, because of this, um, um, what's the name of this guy, the presidential candidate, Donald Trump, and then Barack Obama's situation and all of that. We're talking about all of that because of this uh, election that's coming up. So Obama being the current president, so we had issues discussing about him. Then I told my wife something, I said, did you notice something that these people are saying, these guys who live abroad now, Nigerians? On some of these things that the Bible calls abominations, you start hearing things like, you don't know what the person has gone through. Can you see it? You said the Bible says this is wrong. It said you don't know what the person has been through. You cannot judge. And that is exactly what they want you to do. Just shift ground. Just move a bit. Just give some allowance for explanation. That's all. Like I told you, they say economic recession, economic recession. I have personally, in my personal life, refused to believe it for one second. I just refuse. That's my personal life. They say economic recession, listen, forget it. There's nothing like that. I'm still blessed. Yes. And listen, nobody will tell you to shift ground without giving you evidence. They know you're a rational person. The devil knows you have a brain that works. So what he does is to try and persuade you bit by bit. He will show it to you. And they'll not tell you that you are not being realistic if you say you are walking by faith. Let me tell you the truth. The people who tell you you are not being realistic are the ones that are not being realistic. Because their own reality is inferior to your reality. I don't know whether I got my point. The other day I was watching the um, news. And this guy, what's his name? I think he's uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Is that his name? No, but is he the one? Yeah, he's the one. Is that not his name? People are confusing me now. You know who I'm talking about. <laughs> I saw him on TV, and they were talking about climate change, climate change, climate change. And he made a statement, and I laughed. I said, my friend, get away. <laughs> he said, some people still don't want to believe that climate change is occurring as a result of man's activities. He called it man-made climate change. According to him, this is something that 97% of scientists have agreed upon. I felt like saying, oh, go away. They are not up to 97%. The real scientific world is almost fairly evenly divided on what is causing climate change. Nobody disagrees that there's climate change. I want you to understand something. Everybody agrees. We know that the globe is, is warmer now than it was maybe 20 years ago. But why has not been agreed upon? You know, I say, but most scientists say so. Let me tell you something. I'm in the scientific world. There's what they call publication. If you have an opinion or research result, for you to be able to publish it, the editor, there are three stages thereabout in every scientific publication. When you submit your article, first, the editor looks at it. If he personally on the spot decides that it doesn't make any sense, that's the end of it. If he now decides it makes sense, he will now send it to other scientists who will now look at it, other editors, who will look at it, or send it to other assessors. I mean, some of the things we have to do in the academic system, you get it all the time. Please, review this article for us. But what you don't know is that the editor first had to agree that it should be reviewed. So once they decide that this opinion 
is not needed. That is it. So you will find that publications can give you 97% publications, everybody saying the same thing. But it's because the editor said this is what we want, it, we want them to say. And anybody that says contrary, he doesn't make it into publication. There is a man, his name was Dr. Rouse. He said that viruses cause cancers. And he demonstrated it in birds. But then the idea of the scientific world was that cancers have no known cause and infections don't cause cancers. This poor man tried to publish, publish his article and nobody agreed to publish it. And finally, he managed to publish it in one of these low journals that nobody's reading. 70 years later, no, I don't know whether 70 years, but nothing less than 50 years later, he got a Nobel Prize for that publication. And Nobel has one law. Once you have died, they don't give you a Nobel Prize, no matter how great your work is. Nobel Prizes are awarded only to living people. So if you do an earth-shaking work 10 years ago, then you die last year. That's it. They won't consider it for Nobel Prize anymore. Now, what am I telling you about that? They said, this is, you can Google it up. The only, is, if you want to remember, the name, the, the name is R-O-U-S. R, just go there, R-S-V, Rouse Sarcoma Virus, and type it cancer. It will, it will pop up. And they said, the only reason why that man got his Nobel Prize was he lived to be 90-something. He was awarded that Nobel Prize in his 90s. If he had been an average man, then at 75, 80, <laughs> he would never have gotten a Nobel Prize. Now, why am I telling the story? This man got a Nobel Prize for what the whole scientific world in his time said it was nonsense. This is the interesting part. He was not the only one that said it. It is just that anybody that said it, they shut him down. They are talking nonsense. But because he managed to, he forced, he pushed, and managed to get his own published in a low journal. But it was in publication. Years later, we now found out that things like cancer of the cervix is 99% caused by infection that spread. What am I saying so? You don't change your mind just because something is popular. If you know the truth, hold on to it. Because eventually they will change their minds and follow you. I'm so happy many of you heard me say it those who have known him for long, that this thing they are saying, don't eat egg, don't eat cholesterol containing the food. That is a lie, oh. I'm almost certain I'm the only person you heard say it. 30 years after it's been, proven, it's been sold to everybody, they now withdrew it and say, sorry, for the last 30 years we made all of you guinea pigs. Our experiment is over. It was a waste of time. <laughs> they are there laughing. They decided a new one now. So if you eat sugar, you will die. Let me tell you ahead. It's a lie. Men, listen. Men use politics to make decisions. A colleague of mine was teaching the other day. He's a specialist gastroenterologic pathologist in UK. And he said, listen. He was teaching us something. We were at a seminar. We were discussing. So I got up. I said, look. <laughs> this thing you are saying, eh? It doesn't make sense this way. Why don't they name it like this? He said, actually, we can't use that name even though we know it's correct. Because when you diagnose it for patients, their insurance premium will go up. For that reason, <laughs> pathologist diagnosis is modified so that people won't pay more to ins- for health insurance. Get, look, better get used to it. That's what life be. Men are dishonest. Many of the drugs doctors prescribe, they've been shown not to be needed by the patients. What do they prescribe? 
the pharmaceutical company has to make money. And they are pushing, listen, if you know how much they spend money. Because if they don't prescribe it, sorry, if the doctors don't prescribe it, they can't sell it. So they spend money on the doctors. Laws have been written here and there to curb that practice. But it's hard. Because the heart of man is wicked. They will sponsor you to conferences. Those days. You and your wife. Lodging the best hotels. Finally, they became, it's a crime in Europe now. If you sponsor a doctor for a conference and his wife comes along and you pay, it's a crime. I gave you an example here some time ago. That a Belgian and a European um, physician, a professor of medicine, in fact, a professor of cardiology, he came to UNTH a few years ago to give a lecture. And I found about it, I went to attend the lecture. When the man was done, I shook my head. I said, this is what I've been saying. The man showed, I mean, you see his slides. This is a man who has over a hundred publications in top-level journals. He's a professor of professors. He showed, he said, listen, don't mind the drug companies when they tell you this and this and this. He says, all they lie. <laughs> and he began to show it to us. He's a professor of medicine. He showed us some things, and it was proven that certain antihypertensives that have been sold to patients are needless. He was dealing with cost. He, he, and he was explaining the principle. He had a baseline drug, one of the cheapest for treating low-level hypertension. He will show you research upon research that shows that some of their newest drugs are not better. Now, the problem is this. Let me quickly say this. Maybe it's going for 50 cowboy tablets. The new one, the state-of-the-art one, can be 300 naira a tablet. Can you see the difference? If they agree that they do the same thing, who will pay? <laughs> so they have the way, oh God, they have statistical ways of wangling the truth into your heart that this one is superior. And once the doctor agrees, the doctor starts prescribing it, then the pharmaceutical company starts making money. So the man was warning us, came all the way from Belgium that time to give a lecture in Enugu here and a few other places. That don't listen to them. He was giving us the tricks that is that they use and how to sell, convince those tricks. And it showed to us that statistics can be used to see anything. So when you get up in the morning and tell me that they have statistically shown to you that people are born homosexuals, you are telling me God doesn't have sense. They don't tell you the whole truth. The statistical, you know, you know, the world likes to just turn things around. Remember this man, what is his name? Tiger Woods. That time his wife left him, that Swedish wife. And they had a lot of crisis. You know what they said was wrong with him? He was not an adulterer. He was not sexually promiscuous. He had a problem with sexual addiction. That's what they said. That this, I didn't sin. It's a mental problem that I have. You're not getting my point. This is a man who was sleeping with anything he found. He was married to one decent woman. A pornographic star was his girlfriend. Girls here and there. And they say, oh God, Tiger, why are you doing like this? He says it's a mental condition. <laughs> he called it sexual addiction. So he went to rehab. Instead of him to go to the Reverend Father and kneel down there, say, forgive me, Father, I have sinned. This man went to rehab. That was the day you have just managed Catholicism. Because you will see the Reverend Father. Those of us Pentecostal will be praying to God, we can't see him. 
But the, the Catholics have solved that problem for people like Tiger Woods. You will sit down. And the first statement when you go for confession is what? Forgive, bless me or forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. That statement is the will of God. But Tiger Woods went for medical rehab that has sexual addiction. Another is genetic. Unpe is genetic. <laughs> he goats is genetic. <laughs> Why am I teaching this? They now present it to Christians. After a long time, Christians start agreeing bit by bit. They start shifting their ground. That's my gist. That's what I'm talking about all these things. They start shifting their ground. Meanwhile, the Bible says what you need is to stand firm. If God has said something, stand firm. I want you to know that the whole of life will try to explain to you that God does not know what he's saying. He says stand firm. Stand firm. If he says you are an overcomer, don't let anybody lie to you that somebody in the village is worrying you. Stand firm. If he says you are the head and not the tail, no matter what you dream of, stand firm. Five people come to you and say, I dreamt that you died. He said, I knew long ago before he started dreaming that one day every man will die. Why? The word of God says it is appointed for man once to die once. After that is what? Judgment. So, any other thing? Did your dream give me the date? Most of the time, the dream didn't give date to. Say, I dreamt that you died. Say, don't worry, I knew I would die one day. It is appointed unto man wants to die. After that, judgment. If Jesus does not come, I know I will die. Thank you very much. It's not a prayer point. People will come with things like, you will give a sacrifice for your life. So what did Jesus die for? Jesus just woke up in the morning, died for nothing. <laughs> and now I'll be giving you sacrifice for my life. Listen, that's why I said something to us last time when we were finishing that Ephesians um, study. This is Ephesians chapter 6 here. He said in verse 17, And take the helmet of salvation, and then the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. What I want is that helmet of salvation. What does that mean? Look, helmet covers where? Your head. Your head is like the seat of the mind. Let's just take it away. We understand the brain is there. Now, this is the interpretation I want to use. It means interpret everything in life with the knowledge of what God has done for you in Christ. Are you getting my point here? I have a helmet, salvation, that this salvation protects my mind. I know I'm saved. If somebody comes to me one day and says, he dreamt, people went to hellfire and say, I like what, how you expressed somebody one day. You remember? A man who came to you once said he had a vision. When you were a pastor and redeemed. He said he had a vision. To this pastor. Came to him and said, pastor, I had a vision. What is the vision? That only two people in redeem are going to heaven. The whole of redeemed Christian Church of God International. <laughs> he said, only two people. Maybe he saw his vision. I like the way you answered him. He said, in that case, he said, well, I know I'm one. Who's the second person? <laughs> <laughs> now, so this pastor, take answer the guy. Oh. He said, thank you, sir. I know I'm one. So who's the second person? Better call the geo to check whether he's the second <laughs> person. Because me, I know I'm one. It's called the helmet of salvation. Don't come and harass my soul. You dreamt. I'm not saying it's impossible. After all, in, in Israel, only two people entered into the promised land. No, be so. Yes. 
But the reaction is what I liked. So thank you very much. Oh, bless God for your life. May your anointing increase. So who is the one person that's going to heaven? Because me, I know I've taken one seat. And if you that's dreaming, I hope you're not a member of Redeemed. <laughs> because if you're a member, you will join all the other people to compete for one seat according to your dream. Let I go back into vision and expand the number of people going. <laughs> now, so I'm talking about the helmet of salvation. That's the point. What is the helmet of salvation? It means that when I want to interpret life, I never forget to interpret it in light of what God has done for me in Christ Jesus. Like we say all the time, can Christians have problems? Yes, they can have problems. We know there are three reasons from the scriptures that we have found out why Christians may have problems. We say one is called ignorance. They don't know what God has done for them. They will be arguing whether God wants a Christian to prosper or not. When you are still arguing, you are rejecting the prosperity of God. There are people who argue whether healing, divine health, is part of the sacrifice of Jesus. People argue it. In fact, Jehovah's Witnesses will tell you that if you are sick, it's the will of God. And that's only in the second coming of Christ that you will get well. So they don't pray for healing. It's against the doctrines in Jehovah's Witness group. I have a book titled, Kicked Out of the Kingdom. Because a man and his wife, they prayed to God. And he healed their newborn baby. So they went to church and testified that God answered our prayers. And they got kicked out of the kingdom. They wrote a book on it. My honest, even if, even, okay, listen, even if, listen, listen, listen. Even if we are not sure, it's either there or it's not there. Don't you, which one is better to believe? Well, even though he's reading the scriptures, once somebody, there's this, there's this chat group I belong to, one of my colleagues put me in. We talk religious things and all of that. So one day somebody posted an argument, an essay, written by a woman who was a reporter who went around reporting on healing ministers and trying to prove that they were false. Then one day she woke up in the morning and she had cancer of the gallbladder. Last night she was fine. She woke up in the morning began to have some pain. By the time she had that pain checked, she had cancer of the gallbladder. And she wrote that I know they will say it is God punishing me for the report I've been writing against the healing evangelist. And I felt like, oh, I'm happy you know it yourself. But that's not even the gist. The gist was that she now began to explain that she knows about the will of God, that it's God's will and all of that. That's why somebody posted to the chat group. So I replied. I said, please, excuse me. I'm a bit confused. What is this author trying to say? So the main man who posted it sent it back to the other fellow who posted it to him. That one is not a member of our group. And that one trying to explain the fact that when God does something, we Christians like to fight and all of that. We don't submit to the will of God. Ah. Uh-uh. Because I knew most of my audience, all right, most of the other members of the group were Catholics, I answered it from the fundamentals of faith. I said, what is the will of God? I said, did Jesus not tell us to pray, thy will be done? I said, if the Lord Jesus says in the, I mean, every Catholic believes in that prayer. We say it every mass. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I said, if the Lord Jesus said his will should be done, it means that it is not automatically done. I said, if it was a prayer point that he gave to us, it means the will is not automatically done. I said, how did this woman say 
that what is happening to her is the will of God. I've read through that article again and again. I've not seen one place where she went to pray and God said no. I said, at least, the least you can do is try. I quoted scriptures. I said, everybody that was sick in the Bible, when Jesus got there, what did he say to them? He said, we could not cast it out because of unbelief. He told a man, he said, listen, don't be struck with panic. Only keep on believing. That's Jairus. I quoted a number of that. I said, how do we know God's will until we have asked him? I wasn't coming from this word of faith angle of the Bible says, I know many of my people may not be on that. I said, listen, my friend who's the head of the group said, wow, Banky, thank you. That's another viewpoint. Yes, it is another viewpoint. How can you wake up in the morning and you are arguing against the fact that God loves and is powerful enough to heal in 2016? Believe me, if I were you, I won't go out again. Because if God doesn't like people to be well, I may just cross the road and one motor will shut. I'm gone. It's risky. No, I won't let my children go to school. Why? Because God doesn't care what happens. I'm afraid. But because I don't have that mindset, that is why I have some confidence to move about. That's our confidence to declare some things. I'm bringing out something here. One major reason Christians have problems is ignorance. And they'll be arguing against themselves. Argue, ah, even if you wanted to, Chris, are you getting my point? You will choose the one that benefits you. You get what I mean by Chris? If you just want to wake up in the morning and be thinking like you don't have it together. At least think like the one that benefits you. Not like you wake up in the morning and say, the only one I want is to prove that God, is, God does not heal people. I'm going to show you from scripture that God is going to let us die anytime, anytime we just fall sick. No. Ignorance punishes people. I'm not teaching about that now. Second reason we say Christians have problems is what? When they walk in sin. Whether you're a Christian, a Muslim, or a pagan, the wages of sin is still death. Let nobody tell you that because you're a believer, God doesn't judge iniquity in your life. No, he doesn't judge it for the simple reason that he expects you to judge it yourself. That's why he doesn't. He expects you to judge it yourself. You will by yourself come to him and say, Forgive me, Heavenly Father, for I have sinned. This thing I am doing is iniquity. Then what he does is to forgive you of the iniquity and give you the power not to do it again. But if you sit down inside it, you can be sure your sin will soon find you out. That is the second reason. The third reason is what is called the trial of faith. Beloved, James said in chapter 1, count it all joy, verse 3, when we fall into diverse trials. Because the trial of our faith works patience. It happens. Trial of our faith does what? Works patience. These are the reasons why Christians have problems. Notice, I've not said when the devil is angry with them. I have not added the fact that when the arrows from the village are plenty. Why? It's called the helmet of salvation. Because of salvation, I know. Fire all the arrows you want. Whether from the village or we know now most of the Babalawos are not in the village anymore. They are now in the cities. The new title they use is what? Prophet. Apostle. Man of God. You ever that one called another title now? Bishop. I saw one bishop in Ghana. You know, people are very funny. And somebody say, which kind of pastor is this one? I say, what do you mean which kind of pastor? Can't you see he's not? 
I read the story, very funny. They said that um, on TV, somebody said, I lost my passport. They said, no problem. I will go to the realm of the spirit and help you find it. And he went to the realm of the spirit and did after some abracadabra. The guy did his aramanda and the pastor passport came out. And you are still calling him a, a pastor. He doesn't have a problem. You are the one that has a problem. He's a big pastor in Ghana. He was sleeping with the wife of one of his junior pastors for two years. At the end of two years, it was found out because the woman was pregnant for him. He said it was good it happened. Because God has used it to show to everybody that it's not an angel. Because they have been calling him angel. <laughs> yes. I said, good for you, Ghanaians. You will see more. As long as you are saying, you are a man of God. He prophesied something and he came to pass. <laughs> more people like him will arise. That's what they told my wife when we went to Ghana. He says, a man of God. Prophesied something came to pass. <laughs> oh God, that's a sign. That's a sign, Jesus. So it's not the arrow from the village or the arrow from the city. Tied in the village, wanted in the city. You've seen the poster. <laughs> Auntie, what I do you? Are you getting my point here? All those kind of things. The one, one that said that, I will say to Herod, I am not John the Baptist. I like that sneeze. Very well timed. <laughs> the Lord is good. All of these are the signs of people who are not wearing their helmet of salvation. Because they interpret everything as if I need to have a problem. It's because somebody from the village is harassing my soul. No matter the trouble that we have, we stand our ground. Paul said it there, stand firm. I told you this before. A friend of mine, the son died. And somebody came and said, I found the witch that killed your son. And she burst out in laughter. A grieving mother burst out in laughter. And said to the person, Madam, come and start going home. No witch, no witch can kill my son. So it's a matter between me and my God. We'll settle ourselves. But you come and start going. That is called the helmet of salvation. You use the helmet of salvation to block all rubbish suggestions from your mind. You stand your ground. They come and say, listen, we need to go back to the village. To go and uproot something that was buried when you were born. Which is the reason why you are having problems today? Stand your ground. That if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creature. Old buried things have passed away. Whatever it is you buried there has passed away. Stand your ground. One thing Christians do a lot of times is that they say, just in case. You don't realize that spiritually... There is nothing like just in faith, in case. It's called unbelief. It is called unbelief. There is nothing like just in case. I've seen people, they say, one woman left, went to, she, in her dream, she went to hellfire. She found women with earrings in hellfire. 
You know, you know, God has a way of punishing people. Let me say another say. When they say come and hear instruction, you don't come to hear. Are you getting my point? It is called serving the Lord thy God willingly. When you refuse to come and learn, what will happen is that you will not serve your enemies forcefully. That's what God does to people. So they were all over town that time, removing earrings, removing jewelry. All, oh God, those who sold those things suffered. Hairdressing salons felt it. There was recession even before recession. <laughs> now listen to me. Every woman that participated in that, by that action was closer to hellfire than before. That's not supposed to be a joke. That's literal. I am not saying they went to hellfire, but they became closer than before. Why? Because all of them said, just in case. They were walking in sheer unbelief. No faith from their hearts. They couldn't beat their chest to say, this is what the word of God says. All they could do is to say, one woman died. Sorry, one woman slept. And we know those sleeping women. Listen, human beings are very wicked though. Let me just tell you. People will just wake up and deceive you just to make a name for themselves. You'll be going from one church to the other. Misinterpreting visions. Who has not slept before and dreamed bad dreams? Almost everybody here dream one bad dream at a time. Don't come and give me interpretation of your bad dream. Now becomes a prophetic word. Many people say, let's just in case, just in case, is what I'm addressing. You have been sick for a while. You've been hearing the word of truth. Then somebody comes and says, let's just in case, you know, because of just in case, let us go to the village and organize deliverance. Now listen to what I want to say, not a joke. Most of those deliverance preachers and deliverance effectors, I mean, which word now? Performance. Those boys and girls that follow them to the village to go and do deliverance are not Christians. They are not believers. Many of the people you see these days are nothing but glorified babalawos. I mean, they are the, you know, the ones in the village, in the shrine that know nothing. All of them bought suits. A chauffeur of Celestial Church of Christ had 34 wives. I am not lying. You can go to Google and check. It's on Wikipedia. I used to lie before. I made a mistake. I used to say 35. It's a mistake. I'm sorry. There are 34. <laughs> How can I be abusing the man say he has 35 wives when he had only 34? <laughs> 34 wives. 34. I didn't say 3.4. I said 34. <laughs> and people were following and going to the church. I said, it's a man of God. Let me take a second wife tomorrow. Whether I will see any one of you here. So, Pastor, what happened? Oh, he went to pay bride price. <laughs> no, instantly you look at my wife. <laughs> you know the way? Your head will first zoom on her side. Say, Madam, what did happen? They marry you on credit. <laughs> <laughs> they don't come to say, shh, shh, shh. Not her. Not her. Who? Tell you, uh, there's one Egyptian girl. <laughs> you know, that I do Moses. <laughs> he said, Mario, there's one Kushite woman, Pastor wants to marry. He said, uh, okay, but are you joking? He said, so we say, I'm, if I'm the officiating minister. <laughs> By the next Bible study, 
Eh? Even my wife, who was my number one disciple before the marriage, won't come again. I say, praise the Lord. Israel will call you and say, I'm not feeling well. <laughs> that is, he won't see anybody again. Yet a man took 34. 34 wives. People were still following him. And they're asking me what my problem is by saying one man is a fake pastor. I've seen them before. The Lord is good. Why am I saying all of these things? So it is those boys who've left, you know, this is their traditional thing. They started going around wearing suits and telling you they are doing deliverance for you. When the Bible says clearly that you, because of your faith, you have passed out of death and you have passed into life. It says you have been transferred from the dominion of darkness and you are now in the kingdom of his dear son. And that you have redemption in his blood, forgiveness of sins. And somebody will come to you and say that no, there's this small sin buried in the village. And you go, you have yielded ground needlessly. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't get better for you like that. You have failed. You don't realize it. That is what is called failure of faith. The Bible says, stand your ground. That's what I'm trying to emphasize today. It says, stand your ground. If the word of God says something about you, stand your ground. Don't forget what I said before. For the Red Sea to part, it took Moses a whole night. For them to conquer I when they went to battle. Um, Amalek, sorry. For Moses kept the rod of God up for such a long time, his hands became tired. So they had to have him sit down while two other men helped him keep his hands up. That tells us simply, it takes a while for that victory to be manifested. But keeping the hand up means we are standing our ground. We will not say, listen, we have kept this hand up for two minutes now. The Amalek is still there fighting. Why are all the Amalekites not dead? He said, it means the rod is not working. Aaron, cut a fatter tree for me. And do you still have your calf making skills? Make me a calf and let's offer a sacrifice to it. Maybe it will work. I said to you before, I made up my mind. Whatever God's word says, I will believe it, even if I don't experience it. The determination. You know, I, I, I've thought about my life plenty. And I made up my mind that I have made up my mind. Yeah, I just made up my mind that I made up my mind. That wherever this path I have chosen in life leads, let's get there. If we die in the process, please remember that I also made the request that you should write on my tombstone, here lies a man who died believing God. Yeah, that's it. Just write on it. Here lies a man who died refusing to yield an inch, refusing to accept that the word of God is not true. Here lies a man who said, despite every evidence you guys have given me, I stand my ground. If God says I'm a winner, I am a winner. If God says I've been redeemed, I have been redeemed. Don't persuade me. Don't try to persuade me I have not been redeemed. 
If God says I've been redeemed, I have been redeemed. 